Hi, all of you wonderful scuba divers out there. Welcome to the Scuba Diver Magazine podcast. Uh, this week, a few little stories there. I couldn't see any particularly big stories this week. Uh, we can't have big, exciting things happening every single week. Um, but yeah, lots of little stories. A new shipwreck has been discovered in Lake Superior. It's uh, it's pretty deep down. It's down at about 90 meters. Uh, so it's only for like pretty serious tech diving. But there are some awesome images coming up from it. Uh, one of the best that I've seen is is really just the side scan uh, radar of it, which I think is pretty cool. Um, there's a new scuba-specific point-of-sale software available now. Um, this is only uh, probably going to get uh, great interest into uh, industry professionals if you own a dive center, um, but it may make interacting with your dive center easier in the future. Um, so if you find them always with like quizzical looks at the till, um, then yeah, maybe mention, hey, you know, there's a new um, there's a new uh, point of sale software and it integrates with Paddy SSI and a few training agencies and stuff. Um, yeah, it might be of interest to them. Uh, there's a new Netflix documentary on freediving called The Deepest Breath. It's all about a freediver who's training to break a world record with the help of an expert safety diver. Uh, the film follows the paths that they took to meet at the pinnacle of the freediving world, documenting the rewards and risks of chasing a dream through the ocean depths. Uh, I've only managed to watch the first five minutes um, because just busy uh but yeah looks quite interesting it uses like a mixture of real world footage and like staged um reenactments um but yeah every time i see like a free diving documentary or something you're like oh who died um just because there, there's so many risks involved with it um but yeah, the uh, the first news story. So this is a new piece of software called Dive Shop 360. And it's been out for a little while now. Um, it's actually the leading dive shop management system and an all-in-one cloud-based point-of-sale platform created exclusively for dive shops. Usually it has to, um, you just use some kind of, point of sale software and you just kind of manage it um, as as a dive center you kind of make do with what you got but there are some scuba specific things that you kind of have to think mm, how am I going to do this and be able to sell it and then like upload it to a website and do all this kind of stuff it's it's quite hard because yeah when when it's like selling a BCD or said regulators or something, yeah, it's just an, a tangible item. You can have stock of it, but when it's something else, I can't think of any exact um, uh, examples spring to mind at the moment. But sometimes, yeah, it gets really tricky, and you're like, mm, okay, fine. Um, but actually, Dive Shop 360 has announced an integration with Paddy. Um, so this strategic collaboration enables dive shops to easily and efficiently manage paddy diving certifications and courses directly through the dive shop 360 pos point of sale um, platform so it has everything from yeah equipment sales there's a separate section for training there's another section for renting equipment which is a godsend uh trying to keep track of um of rent uh, rented equipment uh, is really quite tough um 
whether you're booking holidays on there and whether you're booking like boat charters as a dive center it has like all of these things like already built in it was obviously designed by someone who knows what they're doing in a uh, in a dive center and um and Kristin Vallette with chief brand and membership officer for Paddy Worldwide said this exciting integration between Paddy and Dive Shop 360 is tailor-made for Paddy dive shops who seek to streamline their business by integrating Paddy services into a modern point of sale management platform um so yes it is interesting and it's probably only going to be interesting because i'm like from that side of the uh, the scuba industry but yeah it it's quite hard trying to find some uh like point of sale software and hardware of course that's works effectively for a scuba dive center so it's quite nice to see one that's specifically designed for scuba diving um so yeah if you ever overhear um someone like grumbling uh, at the dive center about trying to sell something and you're like mm, uh, what can i to like sell this as or, or whatever um then just say oh hey you know there's a new um scuba diving specific point of sale out there it might be worth uh, getting in contact with um uh, with dive, no, dive shop 360 um and i think they can build a, a website for you and do all sorts of clever stuff um and it it really does make your life easier as like a dive shop owner and all of the uh, the dive shop staff a lot easier and then the uh, the customer gets a a better uh, a better experience as well so um yeah just check it out if it's uh, of interest and now yeah i think it's already worked with uh, with ssi for a while for a while uh, now they've integrated paddy um so yeah it's just a bit more streamlined in other news ghost diving healthy seas and sdss joined forces in june for an eight-day expedition task with removing ghost nets and discarded fishing gear from world war ii shipwrecks laying between italy's lampedusa island and tunisia so Volunteer divers from five countries took part in the expedition, which represents the third year of partnership from the trio of organizations with the support of Hyundai Motors Europe. Or is it Hyundai? I always forget now. I think they keep changing the pronunciation. Pascal Van Erp of Healthy Seas, the, uh, the deputy director and ghost diving founder, said that wrecks provide excellent habitats for marine life, acting as a reef and providing shelter. At the same time, it is on wrecks that fishing nets get most often snagged it is estimated that 640,000 tons of fishing gear are lost or abandoned annually in the world's seas and oceans leading to the suffering and death of millions of marine animals um, the team were focused on one particular shipwreck that has yet to be identified a uh, it was a ship that was sunk during the battle of convoys and still containing several aerial bombs and vehicles so it's quite a dangerous shipwreck to uh, to be about but recovering a huge net weighing approximately 700 kilograms the divers unveiled its structure making it a safer space for marine life but also more accessible for other divers after examining the material and the structure of the net it is believed that it origi- originated in Egypt, it will be upcycled into new fishing nets. Uh, the mission also aimed at documenting various shipwrecks as cultural monuments by collecting over 12,000 photos and applying photogrammetric 
photogrammetric, that's cool, um, techniques, 3D virtual models are created to make the wrecks accessible to scientists and the wider public. SDSS founder Mario Arena said, since 2007, when our team began exploring the wrecks at this location, we're continuously running into fishing nets. The collaboration with Healthy Seas and Ghost Diving is allowing us to make progress in our historical discoveries. So the team is made up of GUE technical divers from Italy, the Netherlands, Germany, Greece, and Lebanon, with thousands of dives on their resumes. Um, due to limited space on board, they use rebreathers to reduce the number of cylinders that they had to bring with them and increased the safety during the long, deep dives. And there's lots of cool photos uh, coming out of it. One of the ones that I like is the, um, you know, after uh, like a fishing competition, they always hang up the uh, the biggest fish that they, uh, they have and they have their photo taken in front of it. They've kind of done that, but with this big fishing net they've hung it from a crane and uh, and all the uh, the divers are like stood in front of it um so uh, and just sort of, like showing off what they managed to uh, to recover and yeah the, this fishing net is just nuts and the like logistics to be able to raise this safely um because as soon as you attach a lift bag onto something it does the exact opposite of what you're expecting so uh yeah well done to uh, to the team and just keeping things cleaner in our oceans and sticking with marine debris the kraken rum company has partnered with paddy aware foundation to open for one day only the world's first cocktail bar that accepts litter as currency so you don't have a lot of time uh this is next week on saturday the 29th of july the first of its kind cocktail bar will reward hard-working beach cleaners participating in a cleanup of brighton beach with delicious rum based or correction kraken rum based drinks in exchange for bags of rubbish collected so it's going to be kicking off at 12 o'clock at fortune of war on brighton's iconic seafront the cleaning extravaganza will have special Kraken bin bags, litter pickers, and safety equipment is going to be provided for all. A joint initiative between the Kraken and marine conservation charity partner Paddy Aware Foundation, the two hour cleanup will aim to clear every single piece of litter from Brighton Beach. Paddy Aware Foundation will also be taking it one step forwards um, by going beneath the depths of the sea and quite literally diving for debris. Then, after a brisk afternoon of environmental adventuring in the honour of the beast, uh, which is the Kraken mascot, a selection of delicious Kraken rum cocktails will be awaiting their return and can be simply redeemed by handing over a full bag of litter. Uh, registrations can be made on the uh, the website i'll put a link to our news article down in the description and the uh, the link to registration is at the bottom of that um so yeah pretty cool uh i've got a couple bottom uh, bottles of uh, kraken rum downstairs and um yeah it is nice to see this kind of encouragement we've seen it with like two minutes um which is like a uh, charity i've seen quite a few of them nowadays i think once you notice one you start to see them everywhere they're these little a-frame stands at like country parks and things and I, they usually include like a litter picker um but also some like collection bags and it's all about just kind of taking two minutes out of your time just to if you see something pick it up uh over in australia i saw a lot of um 
oh, what is it? Is it, just, it was like pick up three, um, where, yeah, you visit the beach, you pick up three pieces of litter, you dispose of them responsibly. Um, and it is just to get people in that mentality of, yeah, you know what, if you see something, just pick it up. Um, obviously, as long as it's safe and, and clean to do so. But yeah, it just helps to, um, yeah, basically clean up our beaches and our oceans. Uh, so if you are interested, yeah, I'm going to put a uh, link down in the description below. And um, yeah, that will go to our news article and then you can find the link on there. A Lake Superior tugboat called Satellite has been missing since it sank 144 years ago. And it's the latest discovery for the Great Lakes Shipwreck Historical Society, or GLSHS. Oh, there's no easy way of saying that. Um, and the satellite was identified um, at about 90 meters, and it's a complete timber vessel. Uh, satellite had four barges in tow on um, the 21st of June, 1879, and it was a calm, sunny day when it suddenly ran into difficulties. It remains unclear whether the tug experienced a mechanical problem or was holed after striking a floating log, but it effectively started taking on water and sank, and all of those on board were rescued. So good news there. In the summer of 2022, last year, the uh, GLSHS team went out from the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum at Whitefish Point in Michigan aboard the research vessel, vessel, vessel the David Boyd, in an attempt to find wrecks from the World War I era. Uh, with this was a film crew for a Discovery Channel TV series called Expedition Unknown, with its presenter Joss Gates, and they were visiting to look into a story about World War I French minesweepers that had gone missing in Lake Superior. The director of marine operations, Daryl Ertel, put in put the society's ROV on an unidentified mark and the team could soon see that it was not a steel minesweeper but a timber-hulled vessel that was identified as the missing satellite. Video released by the society shows the ship's timber perfectly preserved in the lake's cold, fresh waters. That's a real like blessing for shipwrecks when it's in yeah cold, fresh water because then things don't corrode as much and um the the microbes and whatnot they they don't break down the uh, the timber unfortunately there are no known pictures of the tugboat from the time uh but there are images of its sister vessel the sweepstakes and according to the society the ornate satellite was considered one of the most beautiful vessels on the great lakes at the time of her loss uh so they managed to basically compare and uh, work out that it is a satellite and um yeah, if you fancy a visit, it's um, it's fairly deep down, but yeah, at least we know where it is now. Um, another news story. So this um, comes from Florida, where officials are reminding that beachgoers uh, to please fill in their holes at the beach that they've dug after four sea turtle hatchlings recently became trapped. Um, it's kind of a sad picture, but the, all of the baby sea turtles were rescued and officials basically just wanted to remind people to be just aware doesn't look like a particularly deep hole from the picture but when you actually like look at it yeah they were basically uh, they, they fell into this pitfall basically and um and yeah they're basically saying anyone who's um you, you can 
by all means, dig holes to to your heart's content. Um, boys will be boys. We'll we'll always be digging holes when we're on the beach. Uh, however, afterwards, just fill them in, or at least make it so that baby sea turtles can climb their way out. Um, it's hard enough for them to uh, to get to the ocean uh that they don't need these uh, these sneaky traps coming out so um yeah if you are digging a hole once you're getting ready to leave uh just fill it in the hole serves no real purpose uh, so yeah just fill it in um they say also keep beaches dark after sundown turn off any lights that are not necessary for human safety use long wavelength amber led lights for, um, that must stay lit and shield lights as well so they're not visible from the beach. Remember to close shades or curtains at night. Uh, no flash photos on the beach at night. Don't take flash photos or use bright cell phones or flashlights. This can cause turtles to become disoriented and crawl away from the ocean, putting them at risk. Uh, they basically crawl inland, which is a worse place for them uh remember that sea turtles are protected by law keep your distance and give sea turtles space if you see one on the beach never touch a nesting turtle because it may leave the beach without nesting if disturbed clear the way at the end of the day beach furniture boats toys and trash left behind on the sand can become obstacles that block crawling sea turtles fill in any holes dug in the sand holes can trap turtles and they can also pose a safety risk to humans yeah imagine coming out after a night dive and then you put your foot down like a one foot deep hole that you haven't noticed because you're not using your torch um that would suck um so yeah basically if you live in an area where there are sea turtles uh do your best to uh, to fill in any uh any holes that uh, that you see um otherwise i did see one cool one which was it was a video i think it was on instagram and i want to say it was the paris metro they turned six of those turnstiles you know the like three prongs that you have to push to um to get in um they turned six of those into like mini turbines so every person that pushes their way through these mini turbines i think it generated 0.2 watts of energy which is obviously a very little amount but when you scale it up to every metro passenger throughout the day uh, it's generating like megawatts of energy uh, from that just very simple like single rotation of a person pushing for pushing past the uh, the turnstile and i just thought that was pretty cool doesn't have much to do with scuba diving um but i'm always into like renewable energy and trying to create energy from um uh, from simple things so um yeah i just thought it was pretty cool it it kind of looked like it was like a trial and people could like bypass them if they really wanted to however the people that were going through them it didn't seem that much of an inconvenience it's just like going through any other turnstile uh except now yeah you're creating a little bit of extra energy um that uh, that goes into the net. Uh, so yeah, I just thought that was pretty cool and uh, and something worth noticing. So hopefully we'll start to see these more and more. Um, so yeah, if you're going through turnstiles in uh, in the future and and you feel that you have to push them a little bit harder, uh, it might be because you're generating electricity. 
As far as what I've been working on this week, uh, so far I've mainly been trying to catch up with uh, Ask Mark. I did a whole bunch of them, filmed uh, filmed tons of them, and uh, and yeah, I've just been trying to crunch out as uh, as many as possible. Uh, the uh, the scuba diving guide in Tahiti has gone live on on Wednesday. Uh, lots of lovely visuals coming out of that. Uh, it's a shame it's so far away. Um, and coming up this weekend, we've got analysis and symptoms of decompression sickness um, and when you should start asking for for help. Uh, I think I spoke about that last week where it's basically an account from Dan and someone who just had these little twinges and just put it down to, or, oh, you know, I just kind of like pulled my shoulder on that one. Uh, whereas actually it, it was like subtle signs of decompression sickness, uh, but they, they kept it to themselves for a few days. And then it wasn't until they basically, they couldn't urinate. that They were like, Hmm, you know, maybe I should talk to a doctor. And because they were in a really remote location, they, um, it, it took them yeah, a few days to, um, to actually get medical care uh, or at least hyperbaric medical care. Um, some of the questions that I've been asking to ask Mark, um, my twin cylinder weight setup, how I put my, uh, how I put my lead weights on my, uh, on my twin cylinders and yeah, cause there's lots of different ways. And I think the main part of the question was basically, should I just put it all on my BCD or should I have some that is ditchable? And I always condone carrying at least some lead on a weight belt or integrated weight system that you can drop if required. Because whilst it's all very well and good, having a perfectly neutrally buoyant system, uh, if something goes wrong, then, yeah, I just I like the idea of being able to drop a bit of lead it doesn't have to be all of it, um, but just a little bit at least to um, to really maintain positive buoyancy without having to use my uh, my inflator or or my dry suit. Also, someone was asking about neoprene alternatives like shark skin and lava core, whether they can replace a wetsuit, which they kind of can. They're um, they're a fabric alternative to neoprene. And most divers find them equivalent to like a two, maybe a three mil. Uh, it's really hard to gauge exactly how warm something is compared to a different suit because you can't wear them simultaneously. And you can never recreate the, uh, well, it's really hard to recreate the exact conditions and then report on how warm or cold you are. Uh, it's, it's, it's really tough unless you, you're really like using thermometers and stuff to um, to work out your core body temperature. But yeah, most divers after a dive, myself included, um, yeah, you wear these like thermocline, lava core, shark skin. Uh, Apex have their new um, thermic ceramic skin i think they call it um and yeah they're, they're basically equivalent to like kind of a three mil but maybe a little bit less they're not quite as efficient as as neoprene but if you've got a neoprene allergy then yeah perfect uh, uh one of the best features about them is that they're neutrally buoyant so it, you wear the same amount of lead as if you're just wearing a rash vest, uh, which I love about them. It just makes your life so much easier working out how much lead that you need to bring down. One of the popular questions was, should I use Dettol to uh, to clean my dive gear? And it's 
And I've actually seen quite a few other questions uh, independent of this uh, this ask mark, which is, um, yeah, what what's best to like clean my dive equipment? How frequently should I do like a deep clean and whatnot? And it kind of varies, and it depends on like where you're diving, how well you look after the equipment, and all that kind of stuff, and how you're storing it if you're storing and cleaning it properly. Uh, as a general rule of thumb, if I'm at the start or the middle of like frequent diving, say I'm on a liverboard, then I give certain equipments a, a flush with uh, with fresh water because usually at the back of the liverboards you get a little hose with uh, with some fresh or at least desalinated water in that. Um, I'll give my mask, my dive computer, the inside of my uh, my second stage, uh, my dive computer maybe my bcd inflator i'll give them a quick like flush with uh, with queen uh, with clean fresh water but the rest of my equipment i'm not too fussed about um at the end of the trip then i'll give everything a good like comprehensive uh flush out with just warm fresh water but then when i get home afterwards I'll um, I'll give it all another soak in just soapy water, just household detergent. You can get like wet suit wet suit shampoos. Oh, I can't talk today. I think it's because I went to the dentist this morning. Anyway, um, you can't. Um, yeah, you can just use regular uh, like dish soap is pretty good for killing a lot of nasties. Uh, but yeah, the the wetsuit shampoos they will help to condition your wetsuit. BCD washes help to uh, condition the sealing surfaces as well, which is quite nice. So, yeah, if you can warrant it, it is nice to have a, a little extra conditioner thrown in. Otherwise, if you're really there just to prevent salt crystals and uh, and any like nasty microbes and stuff from growing inside of your equipment, yeah, just kind of dish soap. Give it a good wash. Give it a, a scrub in the corners because even after a soak, uh, you take your regulators out, you leave them hanging up to dry, you, you'll still find little salt crystals uh, forming in some of the corners. So I usually go around with an old toothbrush just to clean and, uh, and scrub just to get rid of any uh, salt to prevent them from building up. And um, yeah, give it another flush with, with fresh water to get rid of the detergent and then leave it to dry. Uh, make sure it's dry on the inside and the out. Uh, because yeah, water, microbes, long-term storage, yeah, they they just fester. Um, Dettol, Dettol is good, but it's not good if ingested. So I try to keep it away from anything that goes in your mouth. So that's your regulators, obviously, snorkel, your mask as well, um, your uh, your BCD inflator. Because if you need to orally inflate and you press that purge button as you're about to in, uh, blow into it, it just shoots a bit of Dettol into your mouth. That's not going to be a good day for you. Obviously, you can use it to do like a proper deep clean of your equipment that I'll probably do like maybe once a year um, before long-term storage. But dilute it a lot, obviously, and then give it a good wash to uh, to flush out any uh, any dettol so the dettol's killed all of the nasties and then yeah you um, you give it a flush out so it doesn't end up killing you uh, or your taste buds um but yeah i i only do like a proper 
deep clean of my um, my regs and my BCD maybe once a year or whatnot. It's um, as long as you do that fresh water flush out like once a day after a, a day's diving, then yeah, you're pretty covered unless you're diving somewhere particularly nasty. Um, a lot of freshwater sites, I'll uh, I'll be sure to to wash my gear properly with detergent and probably even Dettol uh, after diving in some of the freshwater sites that I've been in. There was one I was doing a river cleanup and there, of course, you're quite worried about like vials disease and all that stuff. So yeah, the, the Dettol comes out there. Um, but if you're just at a, a popular dive site or you're diving in the ocean and it is pretty clear, then I wouldn't worry too much. Uh, fresh water dish soap is um, uh, is your friend and you don't need a lot to uh, to kill some of the, uh, the the nasties that can get in our equipment. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's about it. It's been a um, relatively sedate week. Uh, I've been trying to keep up with the weather because... I um I took my son to to swimming lessons and it was the rain was just heaving it down so like okay I'm I'm in shorts and a t-shirt uh so I was like okay I'm going to have to throw my uh, my raincoat on put that on got in the car driving to the uh, the swimming pool the the heavens just opened and it was brilliant sunshine so like okay I feel a bit stupid wearing my my waterproofs now let me get my sunglasses out um it it is just that like spring showers but we're in what July now so who knows it's it's hard to keep track of the weather these days um but at least it's cool because I think it's um it's devilishly warm in um in Europe and uh, Italy in particular at the moment they were out there struggling with the heat at the moment um but anyway I am rambling uh, that's about it as far as scuba diving I had a good look at a few other um uh, all the different manufacturers and uh, and the retailers I couldn't see anything overly interesting as far as new or um or special offers uh it's still that main one from uh about scuba pro but um yeah, that's about it. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, remember to head over to our website, scubadivermag.com. Uh, check out our magazine. Check out the news articles. Um, of course, check out our uh, our YouTube if you haven't already, uh, unless you're listening to this on, on YouTube. Uh, subscribe there as well if you haven't already. Thank you for listening, everybody. And, of course, safe diving.